This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Hi everyone, I'm Jane Tara and I'm chatting to authors and experts about their self-help, wellness and personal development books. If you're looking for ways to be happy, be well and be inspired, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Better Reading B. Penny Moody is a writer, social work student and OCD advocate. She has a background in media and communications and has previously worked as a communications specialist in the mental health, non-profit and health sectors. She co-created the website soocd.com.au to help others to navigate the world of OCD. Now she's written a book called The Joy Thief about how OCD steals your happiness and how to get it back. It's a fascinating read for both sufferers and the people who love them. So Penny Moody, welcome to Be Better. I'm so thrilled that you're here to talk to me about your book today. The timing of it's excellent because October is Mental Health Mm. Awareness Month as well in New South Wales. So this is great timing, you know, just to be talking about, well, any mental health issues, but particularly OCD, because I feel like it's not as well understood as some of the other conditions. Would you agree with that? I would, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's widely misunderstood Mm, still. Because it's common for people to sort of say, I'm a little OCD. But the Mm. reality of this condition, it's not that, you know, you just like things to be tidy. It's actually very complex. And I... I learned a lot from going on both your website, soocd.com.au, saying that again because it's an excellent, excellent <laughs> website. It's just laid out so well for people to understand things. Um, but your book is great. It covers so much that I feel like I have a much clearer idea of um, what so- OCD is, different versions of it. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways that it can present in your life. Um, can you just talk to me a little bit about how you first realised there was a problem and how you were diagnosed? Yeah, absolutely. It's, gosh, it's a long story. I'll, I'll very much condense it for you because I... I guess the first time looking back that I ever experienced any kind of obsessions and compulsions was when I was about six or seven, but then it would be another 23 years before I was actually diagnosed. So for so long, I I just, I didn't know it was a mental illness. I was suffering, but I was suffering all the same for a very long time. And it kind of, there were peaks and troughs throughout that time. Um, And usually during times of sort of big upheavals, the OCD would get really bad. And I guess for a long time, I thought, and everyone around me thought that I was just very anxious. I would constantly be trying to seek reassurance from my mum to make sure everything was okay. And that was one of my main kind of compulsions. Mm. And when I finally agreed to see a psychologist aged about 19, I was just diagnosed with, yeah, with anxiety and And that kept happening until I kind of self-diagnosed really when I read someone else's story Mm. when I was about 26 and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is me. This is what I've been through. This is OCD. I had no idea um, this is what OCD can look like. And then a few years later I was actually diagnosed 
I think it's one of the great things about social media and the world that we live, the online world that we live in today. I know that there's a lot more opportunity for people to do that initial self-diagnosis of things. And and I think there's a tendency to over-diagnose yourself as well using mm. social media. But looking at someone's story on something like TikTok or uh, particularly for young people and going, that's familiar. That makes sense. That's, you know, what I'm experiencing. And then taking the next step to go out and, you know, find a therapist and have it officially diagnosed is important as well. But Mm. so when you had that moment of, oh, this is me, this makes sense. Was it a, like a relief almost to have a name for how you felt and experienced things? Yeah, it was. It was a huge relief. It was such an important moment for me. And I remember it so well because suddenly I could see it as something separate from me. It wasn't just something inherently wrong with me. It was just something I was dealing with and something that other people deal with as well. I think that was hugely cathartic for me to be like, oh, I'm not the only one in the world who is going through this. There are others. And there's actually hope to to get better or to be able to manage it. Mm. Um, so it was this like real mixture of emotions. There was also a, maybe a bit of a feelings of sadness or grief or for, for all this time that I had kind of lost in a way, you know, not knowing what it is. But, yeah, it was this huge mixture. And I remember at the time I showed my dad straight away. I was like, can you read this? Because this is me. This is what I've been going through. And then it sort of gave clarity to everyone around me. Did did so it was any drop really, for them as well? Like, did your father go, oh, ah, yeah. yeah, this makes sense. This is. Yeah. You know. I, yeah. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Because we were all a bit confused, mm. <laughs> very confused for a long, long time. And it just gave us a bit of a roadmap uh, out of it, I guess. Mm. And so in the book, you explain that there is a difference between, I never knew this, but, uh, and I, I actually, and it's not my story to tell, so I I won't Mm. hear, but I have personal relationships with a couple of people with OCD, one severely so, but I didn't know there was a difference between OCD and OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Yes. Uh, and that's fascinating to me. Can you maybe explain a little bit of the difference there? Yeah, I can certainly try. I don't I don't know a whole lot about OCPD. And I didn't know this difference before I started writing the book either. But obsessive compulsive personality disorder is, as the name suggests, a personality disorder. So it's classed differently to OCD. But if you've got OCPD, it's more that you can be very or extremely rigid with certain things. So it could be um, rigid with how you how you organise yourself, your morals, your expectations. They can be extremely rigid and very hard to move and you can be very, very inflexible. And often people with OCD will also have OCPD, so they can very much cross over. But a lot of the time with OCPD, it's not these really illogical out there thoughts that you're going over. And often people with OCPD won't feel like they need treatment. They feel like their way of doing things is just 
the right way. Mm. So not saying one is worse than the other. They're just very, very different. But like I said, they can cross over and the treatment is different for both. So I think that's that's just good for people to know. Mm. And of course, there's so many different subcategories of OCD as well. And so OCPD is, it's like, you know, a personality disorder. It's almost separate to the rest of it. But then on your website, in your book, you've got subtype um, types of mm. OCD. and you talk about contamination OCD and pure obsessional OCD, which I think are the common ones that most people know about broadly, but there are subtypes that include religious OCD, magical thinking OCD. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk to me about the magical thinking OCD. Yeah, this is a really interesting one, but it's so, so very common, especially Mm -hmm. amongst kids. Um, And this is really how my OCD started. So basically what happened for me was I started worrying obsessively that my parents would die unless I would do certain rituals to keep them safe. So it's called magical thinking OCD because there's really no logic, no connection between the two things, me doing a ritual at night and my parents, whether they can get home or not safely from dinner, absolutely no connection there. But in my mind, there was, and I was keeping them safe by doing it. Mm. So often you hear about kids who who have like a really uh, complicated bedtime routine before mm. they go to bed and they've got to do things a certain way and their parents have to do things a certain way for them to feel safe and for their anxiety to to go down. Um, that can be a, a, mag- a type of magical thinking OCD. Mm. Um, and it is really common. It really is. And mm. it's so important to know and for parents to know that the more the kid is, uh, the more the kid and you are, are doing the um, compulsions and the rituals, the more it fuels the obsessions. Mm. Um, which is really hard. It's and it's really hard to break that um, those rituals, and it can cause great distress to the kid. But you know that's where the, the treatment comes in, and 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 that's where you you find professional help. But just worth noting that that it's a really um, awful cycle because it does just keep it going. Mm. You write at the very beginning, and I think this is fabulous. You write OCD seems to attack the things you value most. And that plays, the magical thinking plays into that as well. You know, you're trying to keep safe the things that you value mm-hmm. most. So more broadly, what do you mean by OCD seems to attack the things you value most? I guess, look, everyone, no matter if you've got OCD or not, everyone has um, weird, confronting, strange thoughts. Like we can't control our thoughts. With OCD, what happens usually is that you'll have a thought that will kind of be really strange and confronting and you react to it in a really, really kind of extreme way. And usually you're reacting to something because it's bothering you so much because you don't want whatever that thought is Mm. to happen. So, for example, you know, people with harm OCD, so people who are really worried about harming someone they love or themselves, they're having such a big reaction to these thoughts because it's the last thing they want to happen. Mm. Um, it causes so much anxiety. They start to question themselves and it just starts sort of circling over and over again. And then they start developing a, a behavior to try to alleviate that anxiety. And like I said, then that just fuels it. 
often a really good therapist, um, if you've got OCD, will really try to um, uncover the core fear. So the fear that's sitting sort of below all this obsessing and, and the compulsions because there's usually this fear that's sitting there that's like, I, I'm so scared of this happening, which then cruelly just makes you think about it more and more and makes you start questioning yourself and everything you know. Mm. Um so yeah, you so you actually write it. about how you can almost see the beginning of one of these cycles. You become aware of okay, that's a thought that you know you don't want it to spiral into one of these cycles. And I think in the book you used AIDS as a as an example mm. in the past. You know, do you find that now that you live effectively with OCD and you've got um, tools in place to be able to manage it and you're now a spokesperson for it, do you find that you have the ability to spot these moments of, okay, that could turn into something so I'm I'm managing it now before it does? Yeah, that's a really good question. I Yeah, I think I have gotten much better at that. I just you know, it's such a combination of things that have got me to where I am now, being able to manage it. So not not never experiencing it, but but very much being able to manage it day to day. And on top of like, you know, exposure and response prevention therapy and medication and, you know, cognitive behavioural therapy, just learning more about how it works, how OCD works. And obviously I did a lot of that throughout the book, um, but researching kind of like the mechanics of OCD, mm. it kind of becomes, it becomes just much more predictable. Um, mm. So I am able to kind of spot when something's kicking back in and I'm noticing that it's kind of playing over and over and then I can I can then notice little compulsions starting to, to creep in and that's when I'll talk to my psychologist mm. or I'll realize I need to do some exposures to, to deal with with those compulsions so yeah I think learning more about it um, for me has just been hugely helpful mm. in my recovery there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. With some of those, have you been able to completely eradicate some of those obsessions or compulsions in your life, do you feel? And, you know, new ones pop up or whatever, but have you been able to move past some of them with treatment? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, what I've sort of come to realise is that the the thoughts, the obsessions may not ever go, like they're kind of just there and, again, can't control them. But what I've very much been able to get under control is the behaviours used to try to alleviate the anxiety. So, and And kind of what I noticed growing up was that, a certain obsession would only ever go if it was then replaced with another obsession. Um, That was the only way that one would disappear. But I do feel like now, you know, certain ones have absolutely quietened down or disappeared. Um, And then sometimes they're replaced. By something else, yeah. 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 Well, your your treatment includes medication, psychotherapy, exposure and response, prevention therapy, group therapy, even silent meditation retreats. Do you feel like one of these treatments has been more effective or do you feel like it's the the combination of these together? Um, I think for me personally, because, you know, because OPD is both biological and learned, the medication and the exposure and response prevention therapy together have been the most effective forms of treatment for me. I, I was on medication for a very, very long time and not doing any of the therapy. It helped the anxiety, but it didn't It didn't change any of my behaviours. So then having both, being able to kind of alleviate the anxiety a bit to the point where I can um, really dive headfirst into the exposures to stop the the compulsions Mm. um that's what's been the most helpful for me absolutely yeah I uh, was speaking to someone just the other day about your book and reading that and um this person you know has OCD and struggled is almost afraid of reading the book in case something else comes up for them and I said, well, maybe I can read it and we can chat through some things or whatever. The book is, from my perspective, the book is amazing because even at the back, you know, you've got other books that you mentioned from fiction, mm. memoir, general help, self-compassion and mindfulness, uh, relationship OCD, which I want to come back to, a lot mm. of um, different sites and websites and YouTube channels to go on. So there's a lot of information there for people to immerse themselves in, as well as a really well-written, really well-set-out look at OCD as a condition and the, the way that you've written this. But for anyone who's listening today who, you know, has OCD themselves, mm-hmm. what would you say about that? About potentially being triggered by, yeah. yeah. The, the fear of yeah. reading something that is actually yeah. set out in a way to assist. It's such a good question. And firstly, I would say I completely understand because Mm. I've done the same thing in the past where someone's told me about a great show about OCD or a great book and I've been like, yep, cool, and then never, never gone there because of those same fears. I guess what I would say to people, though, is that if you're already in that loop, like it's already happening, you're already being triggered and it's that's no fun at all but reading this I guess there could be things that come up and that's okay that's that's something that that does happen with OCD I hope that there's enough in there that will then give them maybe some more tools to deal with those feelings that come up Mm. um because there are a lot of tools in there and you know I did just mention medication and ERP but like 
and you mentioned before, like self-compassion, there's a big bit in there about self-compassion mm-hmm. and that's been hugely helpful for me and that's actually been scientifically proven to really help the symptoms of OCD as well. So I would say, you know, yes, these these things might come up, but I would hope that there are more tools and more kind of healing things in there that will actually in the long run really help help them down the track mm. um, because if you you know you're it's it's being stuck in a cycle and mm. and kind of the only way out of the cycle is like through you know mm. you've got to go head first and that That's can be right. really scary and definitely you know you can pick up the book anyone who's listening you can pick up this book and just any difficult parts of it just flick through it but there's so much mm. great information in there talk to me about and I found this chapter fascinating talk to me about relationship OCD ROCD yeah relationship OCD again very common it's being I guess besieged by doubts about whether it could be any important relationship but often your romantic relationship whether it's right or not Mm. Um, whether you're feeling the right things or not or it also could be around obsessing around whether they cheated on you or not or whether you've cheated on them. So it's all these doubts around your around this one core relationship. Again, you often only experience um, relationship OCD thoughts around really important relationships, so ones that really do mean a lot to you, mm. um, which can be quite comforting to know. Mm. Um, but I, I mentioned a book in there and I talked to the author, um, a book of a called Relationship OCD, and Shiva, who's the author, talks about the myth of the one, and this is what we grow up with, thinking, oh, we when we find that person, our soulmate, there'll be fireworks, you know, we'll be blinded by love, and that's all you need is, you know, you'll and you'll know, you'll just know. But it's just absolutely not the case. All relationships are infused with so many different feelings, so many doubts, so many what ifs, and that can be really scary for people with OCD because we don't like uncertainty. Um, It can be really cruel that we can start obsessing that the person that we do love and the person that we have chosen to be with, um, we start worrying, you know, the opposite. Oh, gosh, what if I'm not feeling the right things? What if, you know, Mm. what if I'm comparing my relationship to another relationship? It can be really hard, but it absolutely can deal with these thoughts Mm. um, and they're very common. These are, as you say, intrusive thoughts and they're not your normal doubts. Everyone experiences moments of doubt or questioning relationships, but this is actually a sort of extreme version of that. Yeah, so I'd say they're they're probably similar doubts and they're probably similar feelings that or, you know, questions that might come up for everyone. But for a lot of people without OCD, the questions might come up and then you might go, oh, that's a bit of a funny feeling or a funny thought, and then they might recede. With OCD, it's like we respond so extremely to these thoughts that it's like, oh, gosh, and we start to analyse them and go over them and over them and over them. And so the difference between kind of your just everyday relationship doubts and relationship OCD, I think, would all be in like how much it's affecting you day to day and how much distress it's causing you as well. So it's absolutely fascinating. It really is. So what would you say to anyone who's listening right now who has OCD? Where should they start today? 
For anyone who thinks they might have OCD and wants to get help, I would suggest starting with a GP who you can talk to about getting a mental health treatment plan, um, which will help, you know, subsidise any future um, sessions with psychologists. And from there, they should be able to to recommend, you know, or refer you to it to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Finding a really good psychologist, for example, who has experience treating OCD can be a little bit difficult. Um, that's why we started this this website called, like you mentioned, soocd.com.au, and you can actually mm. find people in different states um, who, who do do exposure and response prevention therapy and are experienced. Well, it's an excellent resource. It really is. And I would urge anyone to go on there and particularly anyone who, you know, has a loved one with OCD, uh, just to really be able to understand things more clearly. Same goes for your book. It's an excellent read. It really is. And, uh, you know, I, I urge anyone out there who has a family member to, I know that I'm sharing it with a couple of people um, to get hold of the book. It's called The Joy Thief. Penny Moody, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.